You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. We are live on The Making of a Marketer back at you again on this very special Thursday. It's Andy and Jess here once again and a very special guest, Courtney Johnson, a LinkedIn social media consultant and social media overall consultant. Really happy to have her today as our theme is personal branding and, you know, everything that really goes along with that on, you know, really both the LinkedIn channel, the social media, you know, ecosystem and where we are today in this, you know, we talk about personal branding, really a multi billion dollar industry if you're layering it all in once it comes to you know executives tiktoks uh, linkedin facebook everything that revolves around that but most importantly before we get on started off with anything serious i didn't tell either of you that we're going to lead with this and just knows i'm full of surprises um courtney you are from texas and today is a very important day it's texas independence day do you know what that is jess I do not. I can't wait to learn more. It's very, very important. So today, March 2nd, I don't have the year in front of me, but it was in the 1800s, and I should know this because it was a question on a test. Um, Texas defeated Mexico to become the Republic of Texas before they joined the United States. As goofy as that sounds, they still celebrate uh, Texas Independence Day in Texas, where everybody wears cowboy hats, they have parades. Um, it's a festive time of year in Houston. The Houston Rodeo is going on in Austin. South by Southwest is about to start. So it's a very popping time of year. Yeah, my family group chat was actually just uh, sending some cowboy gifts for Texas Independence Day. And I believe it's 1845, but you may have to fact check me on that one. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, I just started podcast. I was, I was going to have this popped up on my screen to actually sound like I knew what I was talking about. And I didn't. And I was like, let me just roll with it. And somebody might know. So thank you for that. Um, but that's a good introduction. So Courtney, welcome to the show. We are really, really excited to have you here. Uh, definitely follow Courtney Johnson's social media on LinkedIn. She's killing it. And, you know, really for me to bring you on, I didn't tell you this in our pre-notes. I'm hitting you all with a lot of surprises right out of the gate. Um, we have some questions. We always, you know, go over them, what we might talk about so you can prepare your answers. But I've definitely been following your content for the last several years. And as someone that has used LinkedIn as a platform to build brand and now works at LinkedIn and has you know, consulted on LinkedIn at agency, I think the content you put out has been just so special, has been perfect, like between personal branding, just going and getting it, what executives should do and your positive mojo behind it. I was someone who was doing that, admittedly, around the pandemic time, I fell off the map like a lot of us did. 
And I saw you out there just trucking away, building your career, building your following and making it happen. Uh, I think one of the most positive follows on LinkedIn. So when we got to the subject, I was like, I got to hit up Courtney because um, I've been seeing your content out there. I've used your tips for LinkedIn in the past. So I'm just very, very appreciative to have you on and just, you know, very awesome to see how far you've grown in your following and what you're doing, you know, on the platform right now. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a, a wild journey. But that leads us into our first question. So uh, when we talk about just creativity with all of our guests right now, obviously social media, digital media is in a very interesting time to say the least. And, you know, we're all trying to figure out how to still be creative. So whether it be 2023 or some of the OG times of social media, how do you get unstuck creatively and just keep posting and keep doing your thing? Yeah, it, that's a problem everybody struggles with. I struggle with it. I have dropped off the map a few times, taking taking a couple breaks because it is very demanding to have to be creative every single day. But a couple of things that I do: one, pattern disruption. So something as simple as like taking a different route home, or you know, instead of working at your co-working space or working at home, like go to a coffee shop. Um, you know, changing up the media that you consume, um, or even, you know, going on a weekend road trip, any sort of pattern disruption in your daily life is really, really helpful. It's like stimulating that creative energy. And another thing that I struggle with, and I think most people do, especially content creators, is we consume so much information, like social media posts, and, you know, we're reading and there's magazines and billboards and friends and text messages. There's so much information coming in that we don't really give our brains time to digest it. So taking time to get away from the consumption and just breathe, like go on a walk, no headphones, no podcast, meditate, whatever it may be, like work out, just giving your brain a time to rest can really help uh, as well. And then also just realizing that you get like showing up every day, even if you're not being creative, is creating that habit. And that's going to lead to times of you being creative. So if I really just don't have anything to post, I don't have anything to create, I'll just go back to my top performing posts and just repost them. Or I'll post like something that's bad, like a bad post, or I think it's not very high quality. And sometimes it bombs. And sometimes it does great and surprises me. But I think when it comes to creativity, like we can be really hard on ourselves. And so just giving your brain time to breathe and accepting that not every day is going to be like the most creative, you know, idea you've ever had. You know, what's fascinating about the response, Jess and I, we've been asking this question now probably for like a month with all of our guests. And we have found there's a consistent thought process and everybody has said getting away from the social media feed a little bit and doing something else in our personal life, which I find very, very powerful. And something that we, you know, even some of our questions are thinking of, we can angle more into that about like, how does your personal growth feed creativity when you work in social media? Yeah, I mean, you're so right about finding non-social media tasks, like literally something as easy as like, doing dishes. Like my brain has time to rest. Right. But yeah, I mean, feeding that creativity is just really about managing the input, right? Like we can't have great output unless we have good input. It's the same as like your diet. Like if you're eating, you know, crappy food every day, you're going to feel like crap. 
but the content that we consume, if we consume things that's helpful to us, you know, people will say, I don't like LinkedIn because my feed, it's all like these bro LinkedIn influencers, or I don't like Twitter because it's all these, it's, you know, you can curate your feed however you want. And if you curate whatever you're consuming to things that are really positive, to things that lift you up, help your personal growth, that really helps the input um, and the output is better. So you talk about the LinkedIn feed, Courtney, 18,000 followers. I got an accurate count. I did look up that stat before the show today. So you've really been able to grow on LinkedIn and really make it your own. You know, you have your own style, but why LinkedIn? When you started down this journey, why was this a platform for you to use on a personal branding side? Yeah, I've tried a couple of different platforms. Um, you know, before LinkedIn, I was kind of on Twitter a little bit more and Instagram and Medium, some other blog sites. But I, I started, I don't have a great answer. I started LinkedIn because I had to. I was in a role that required me to post on LinkedIn um, since it was kind of like a social media role. I was helping other people. So I, I had to post myself. And at first it was really uncomfortable. I hated it. I didn't want to post, but I had to. Um, then when I started seeing results, I was like, okay, I get it. Like this, this works, right? I started getting more interest from clients. I started having people reach out saying like, oh, you know, this post really helped me or I implemented this tip and I got this result. Um, and once it kind of became a habit, I, I couldn't stop. Now, granted, I've taken a couple breaks um, like I said, it, it can be a lot, like very demanding to, to produce every day, but yeah, I just started because I, I had to, and I know that's not a fun answer, but I think anybody, anybody should be, should be posting on LinkedIn. I mean, it, it is what I tell my clients is, you know, there's 900, 900, I think we're almost to 900 million people on LinkedIn and less than 1% post once a week. So if you can just start posting like one time a week, you're automatically going to rank like in the top 1%. And now imagine your profile is optimized. You know, you're interacting a couple minutes a day on the platform. Like it's really just the only platform left where there's more content consumers than content creators. There's all of these lurkers and it's just ripe for opportunity. And also everybody, like your prospects for most industries probably already spend time on LinkedIn. So that prospect may be someone you're directly trying to sell to or someone you want to hire you for a role or someone you want to form a partnership with. They're probably already spending time on LinkedIn. It's really just about optimizing your time spent. Um, yeah, so it's a fantastic platform. Courtney, I'm really curious, what made you uncomfortable initially with posting on LinkedIn? I had imposter syndrome for sure. I was pretty green in my career, maybe like four years in when I started posting on LinkedIn. And I really thought I had two main objectives. One, I was like, I don't want to be an influencer. Right. But I realized every, everybody's an influencer in some way, even like your grandmother's an influencer, like your dog's an influencer, like everybody influences somebody else to make a decision. Right. And so you really have no choice in that you, and you already have a personal brand online. You have no choice in that. Like if you Google your name, something will come up, whether that's, you know, the legal documents of like your, I don't know, whatever it may be, or whether that's, you know, blogs and stuff. Um, and so I realized I could either take advantage of it and leverage it and be the person that's driving the brand, or I could just, you know, hands off and let the world do it for me. Um, so that kind of helped me 
overcome that, like not wanting to be an influencer. And then I also just didn't know, I didn't think that my knowledge was like helpful for other people. Right. And I think a lot of us become numb to our own information and our own knowledge because we think it's obvious. And I'm sure you guys have both experienced this of you think what you do every day, like, oh yeah, everyone knows that. Of course, like everyone's talking about it. Everyone knows it. It's just because we're in this bubble, but then you've got a friend that's like, Hey, I'm starting this company. What's this one marketing tip? And you give the most basic marketing advice ever. And they're like, their mind is blown. They're like, whoa, that's crazy, right? I'm sure you all have experienced this. And so when I started thinking of that, like there's always going to be, sure, there's always going to be people more experienced than you, but there's always going to be people that can learn from you. Um, and I truly believe like every single person on earth can teach somebody else something. Yeah, I love that example too, because you know what I've advocated for a lot of my social media career are for people that might be in broadcasting or radio and they want to switch over. I was a, a former radio host and we find a lot of people in that industry do try to make that cross to marketing at some point, just because it's it's very difficult to be a radio host or find a role as a radio host. It's a lot easier to find one as a podcaster. You just plug in the USB mic and hit go. But, uh, you know, when I started thinking about like doing LinkedIn and posting myself or even working in marketing, you know, I came over from radio, had a little bit of a run. I was doing some marketing, social media over there already. I was a host for two years, but transparently I never made it as far as I thought I could. Like I, there was still a part of me in my head that was like, I failed. Like I didn't do it. I went to school for this. I didn't do it. So I started learning marketing. I'd be in these meetings. I remember first marketing meeting and I'm in, they're talking about CPC. They're talking about CPM. There's um, cost per this. There's you know, all of these marketing terms being thrown around, I went and Googled them because I was like, I just, I don't know what I'm talking about. So like, I, like, I studied everything. The internet's free, got better at it. A couple years down the line, I started speaking in meetings and I was able to utilize my knowledge and training and speaking with some marketing knowledge. And I saw I was getting through to a few people. And then that's how I started posting on LinkedIn. Like it got my confidence up a little bit, you know, but then I was kind of the same way. It's like, am I really good at this? Like, am I, am I going to be seen as like a BSer on LinkedIn? And, you know, it's it's tough. Like I went through the same thing. It's like, am I sure that, that I want to do this and I'm going to be received the right way? But Courtney, I'm sure, you know, as you see is, that our community in digital media is very hungry for information and perspective. And I think people really back each other and stand with each other and want to continue learning from each other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, LinkedIn, Twitter, LinkedIn, like every platform, but LinkedIn especially, I just think has such valuable information where the posts that I see in my feed every day, like I see people doing marketing experiments that they did that last week. And this is how like, the, you know, the results, I see people giving that va like value of like copywriting and marketing tips and just all these things that you can never find like, like in a blog post or in like a standard, like big name social media course, like you're finding this in your feed every day. And the value is just insane. Like it really helps you level up your, your career. Definitely. So with that, I did go and look through some of your posts and I want to I want to analyze or have you analyze and talk about some of these posts that I found helpful to me and, you know, kind of talk about your journey through them. So one that you posted recently was that 
anybody on LinkedIn is probably 100 posts away from being an expert in their industry. So we already touched on this a little bit in our early conversation, but somebody going down this path and they're going to make 100 posts and they're going to get kind of over that hump to go from LinkedIn scared to LinkedIn expert. What advice would you give them to, to go down that journey? Yeah, I mean, I would tell them that they know more than they think they know, and that by writing, they're going to learn more. Just the process of putting together these 100 posts, you are kind of training your brain to think back at the value you give. You're probably researching into, you know, the different projects you've done and, and how you can educate others. You're also going to get a ton of data. Like from 100 posts, you get 100 pieces of data that tells you these are the top five posts. So these are the top five, you know, topics that your audience likes. These are the top five ways that you communicate with your audience the most. This is what your audience didn't really like and didn't find helpful, right? Like you have so, it's so much more than a hundred posts because not only is it this content, but it really kind of can shape a lot of your career and your, your personal brand. But the main thing is like, most people won't do this. Like 99.9% .9 of people aren't going to post a hundred posts on LinkedIn. And so if you do that, just by the type of person that would embark on that journey is the type of person that is someone other other people can look up to. Um, but I would also say like anybody can do it and you can't, it's, you can't wait for something, right? Like you can't wait until like people will say, I'm going to wait until I get this promotion or if I finish my master's degree or if I do this and then I'll start to position myself as an expert. But that's the wrong way to think about it because you're not going to become an expert until you go through all of this, until you go through like the posts that bomb and you're realizing, oh, like I didn't really do that well, or, oh, wow, this did really well. Can I lean into that more? Like, that's how you get to that place. Not by having some arbitrary amount of money you made or, you know, accolade that really doesn't mean anything is what means the most is the value that you're giving to others. Definitely. And when you mentioned earlier, posting one time a week would make you in the top 1% of LinkedIn's posters. Um, I feel like this one for me has been really important when I consulted in agency world. So, so often when you consult a client, as, as I'm sure you know, Courtney, you put together a plan. This is what we're going for. If I spend X, will I get Y? Like that becomes so much of the conversation. And a lot of times just on any platform, we're paying to compete on the timeline. So when I think about if I got a key executive, key stakeholder, key person within the company, or maybe I got 25 different ones, we're all posting in cohesion. I always felt like organically, like I could get what you're paying $10,000 for, like just making up a number. Organically, I can get that right now by just executing a lot of the fundamentals. Yep, absolutely. I mean, there whenever I work with uh, like holistic social strategies, so the company brands and the people brands, the people brands could post the exact same thing as the company brand, even with the exact same amount of followers and the people brand are going to, it, yeah, it's essentially, you don't have to pay for ads <laughs> like on the company page because LinkedIn deprioritizes company posts in order for you to pay for ads. Like, but personal brands, you can't run ads behind. So they prioritize those in the algorithm. So it's just so much easier to one, like algorithm wise to get uh, personal brands, get results from personal brands. And two, people connect with people, not brands. Like 
yes, we can think of the giant, you know, timeless brands that we all feel some sort of connection or nostalgia to, of course, but that's like 20 brands, right? And there's millions in the world, but we all can think of, you know, 500 people that we connect with, whether that's friends or someone on social or even brands where we follow the founder or maybe the influencers that work with them. And the connection there, I mean, this is like evolutionary, right? We connect so much more with humans than like faceless brands. And that's just like principles of why people brands are are so important. And I, I like to say like your company doesn't have one LinkedIn profile. They have a hundred or a thousand or however many, you know, customers and employees and users that you have. Um, and those are your best influencers. Um, but it is hard sometimes to kind of convince uh, the CMO or whoever you're working with that there is an ROI on this because it's not as trackable, right? It's not as easy as an ad where it's see, click, download or see, click, buy. This is really like relationship building. And like truly, we don't understand like the the depths and nuances and like equations of human evolution, like connection. So that's not something that you can like map out easily, right? On a on a spreadsheet and say this is the exact ROI, especially since your user journey to whatever the purchase may be is so you know can be so nuanced and complicated. Um, and also, LinkedIn personal brands is not like the right answer on the test, right? It's not the thing that like HubSpot says you should do, or like the official like textbook of social media says you could do. It's kind of like a up and coming tactic, but I think it's truly the most valuable thing that brands can be doing right now. Like absolutely hands down is putting their effort and time into their employees, personal brands. So one post I liked is about our new document ads. I will admit, I'm still crash coursing what these are about right now, Courtney, but she posted one a document ad about how you made $1,437 from a single blog. And the ways that you put this together was through Canva, Google Docs, and LinkedIn, among some of your other tools. So I wanted to do just to explain how you were able to monetize a blog like that in some of the tools that you use, which I think works into personal branding a little bit, but also works into, you know, what we hear a lot is we don't have money for this type of creative. We don't have resources to do this. We don't have that. Like, how are you able to put it together with some of these tools that, you know, there's no Adobe Photoshop mentioned here. You know, it's, it's tools that everybody's able to use. Yeah. All of these tools are free. Um, and yeah, it's interesting because any personal brand can monetize like this, but so can company brands too. Um, and this really can cost you like $0 to do. The The first thing I did is post a lot. Like I posted a ton of content and that kind of goes back to, you know, post a hundred times. My best performing post was called 87 LinkedIn post ideas, right? And that was like a blog. So I looked at that and said, over the last couple of years, what's my top performing post? So I took it and I just made it into a PDF. And all I did was put it on a Google Doc and like export it as a PDF. I think I may have added like a headline or something. So I have this PDF. Um, and then I uploaded that to Gum Gumroad. And Gumroad is a fantastic tool. Um, basically, you can list anything for free, um, like a, any sort of resource, guide, PDF, downloadable um, podcast. You can list it for free or you can charge like a small amount. So at first I was just listing it for free. And then I started charging like five, 10. Now I think it's $12. 
Um, so you can listen on the Gumroad site. And then I also use Canva to kind of, you know, spruce up the graphics. And I'm sure everyone, you know, if you're in marketing, you've probably used Canva before. So easy. And there's so many free templates. So I just use some free templates to spin up, um, yeah, some, some graphics to make it look like a little book. Um, and it's been, it's been pretty successful so far. I think this is something literally anybody can do. Just go and find your top performing posts. If you don't have one, go back to step one and go write a hundred posts. I want to, you know, after this conversation, I'm about to go through my archives on LinkedIn and find my top performing posts. And I'm going to start breaking out some throwback Thursdays, Jess. So just be like watching out um, on my page because I like, I, I, you it's a great idea and I'm not doing it enough. Like I haven't done that in a really long time where I've rehashed some of the greatest hits. So I think it's time to bring that back. You should do it. Another really good tip is you can take your top performing posts. Maybe there's 10 of them and just rework them and repost them. Maybe you do a different headline or maybe at this time you're going to turn it into, yeah, like a document post or you're going to add a photo, just test it out a different way and then see which one performed better. And obviously there's a lot of factors that go into it. So it may not be like a apples to apples comparison, but it is a fun way to repurpose. Um, another great thing to do with those top posts is post them on another platform. I've recently taken a lot of my top posts and scheduled them out as Twitter threads. I just sat down one day for like an hour, scheduled them all out. And I had Twitter content for you know six months. You know, that's funny because that's um, how I learned Instagram in the early days or earlier days is I have my burner account, which is my cat. And if I wanted to try new filters, new tools, like when they changed, you know, with like reels and different things like that, like, you know, I post the cat because it's like, let's just see what it does, like how this works before it goes on to any type of professional page. So he's my test subject. That's a great idea. Yeah, I think we all need like a test subject um, because then you're shipping first and iterating after. Definitely. Oh, go ahead, Jess. I was going to say, Courtney, when you have reposted the the worst performing content, do you make any iterations or do you just go for it again and see if it lands? If I'm being lazy, I'll just copy and paste and just repost something. But if I have a bit of time, I'll I'll usually spruce it up a little bit. Also, my my style has changed over the last few years and my like formatting has changed a bit. So I usually just update it, but that's typically small changes. You know who I've suggested to when it comes to like putting old content and making it new? Like you can't have a social media conversation that goes for a while without Gary V coming up at some point. <laughs> it's like he's literally posted the same five pieces of content for like six years. And yet I still watch it and I still am like, huh, that's a good idea. And I'm like, he's posted that before. And it's like the same things over and over and over again. I was listening to a podcast. Like he actually got asked about that. He's like, yeah, he's like, but people engage with it. So I just keep posting it. So I was like, huh, I was like, good, good idea. Yeah. I think it comes down to value. Like if people are still getting value from what you're posting, then great. Also, sometimes repetition is important. Like I know personally, I don't really get a message or learn a lesson unless I see it a couple times and I start to think like, oh, and I start to connect the dots. Right. And so, yeah, I think it's a great strategy, especially if you're posting across different platforms. And that's, that's also like going back to your question about proving out the ROI of 
LinkedIn and personal brand, it's also a really great way to kind of sell the ROI is you have all of this pillar content you can use for so many other things. You can plug it into a newsletter. You can use it on Twitter. You can make a YouTube video about it. You can, you know, do a TikTok about it. You're really like using it as a litmus test to see where your content goes, which is really cool. And the the measurement is what's performing best is what people get the most value from. So it really just goes back to like, we're all educating each other and giving each other value. That's on the... Um... That's on the list right now for TikTok. I haven't suggested that's something I've been thinking about. It's like we need to we need to get some videos. I'm not gonna do a dance. I've been hinting that we're gonna do some dances and whatnot for TikTok, but I am wanting to test more. And I just like put like I just like to find like pieces of content test, you know, and just see where it can go. We've talked about YouTube, you know, as we're telling you, Courtney, we're very, very early days on the podcast right now. So it's kind of like we're messing with different video styles. Like, you know, we, we've been doing the videos that have like the bars at the top and the subject lines and, you know, putting the captions in. We've been doing posts without pictures, you know, to see if just text posts work. So I love that it's just, you know, throwing a little bit of everything out there and see what you can learn. And, you know, a big question I had, you know, transitioning from, you know, from personal branding to working with brands, how has that helped you just being able to get out there and test those algorithms yourself? Has it kind of changed the way that you work with different companies? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, I, since I can test things myself, if somebody, you know, if I have a client that's like, ah, I don't really know if I want to try this, or that seems a little weird. I'll just try it on my own accounts and see how it works. And then I can kind of come back to them, especially if it's a very new feature. Like it's hard to convince people to try an extremely new feature, whether that, like, I remember when LinkedIn Live came out, it was like, you know, we we don't want to try this. That sounds scary. But if I try it on my own account, I kind of get the reps in and understand, you know, how to use that new tool or new feature. But I think my personal brand has also kind of helped me understand um, like testing and experimentation on a much more personal level. And that's something I never really enjoyed uh, until I started doing it with myself. So whether that be like I'm running an experiment to see if I can drive traffic from like Pinterest to my LinkedIn, or I'm testing out this post three different ways. Um, and once I have those you know, experiments kind of running, I can replicate that pretty easily with clients and say, all right, you know, let's try to repurpose this. And it's also really helped with process. Um, my process is down like pretty strong. And so I can replicate that process across my clients really well too, which is typically just creating content buckets, like content series and scaling those out. Cause once you have a, a content bucket, whether that's like, you know, quick tips or whether that's how to guides, it's pretty easy to scale the content. So working with these brands, oh, go ahead, Jess, you had something. I was just going to say, you're really dispelling the myth here that there aren't synergies between personal and corporate branding. Mm -hmm. From everything you're saying, it's very simpatico. And I feel like you can learn a lot from both areas and apply Absolutely. all these tactics, all these learnings. The strategy should be implemented too. Like when I work with personal or company brands, the first thing I say is like, we need your executives on LinkedIn, on Twitter. I need to talk to the PR team. Like, what are they doing and how are they elevating, you know, the executive team? I talk to the sales teams, you know, how are you guys using LinkedIn to prospect, to close deals? Um, the HR team, do you do personal brand trainings? Do you do like digital, you know, literacy trainings? And I really try to connect the dots 
uh, beyond just the company accounts, but to the, the personal accounts as well. So talking about those accounts, Courtney, you handle some startups. So, you know, if you're talking to a startup today and you're just talking about like digital literacy within HR, how sales using the platform, you know, how does it go all the way up to the top of the food chain? A lot of times I know when I've worked with startups, it's been kind of like, what do I do? And then it's kind of like, okay, we're starting from scratch. You know, we have to like really build them up. What is the first thing? Like if there's a playbook, where, where are you starting with them and where are you trying to get them to at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Well, I do have a really long in-depth free PDF playbook um, on my gum road. You could probably find that on my LinkedIn, like uh, about section. Um, so that that's really helpful if you want more, like if the audience wants more in-depth details, but just a broader view, I would, I think of this as like a one, one, one strategy. So first I would pick one person on the team, one human brand. And usually that's a founder or maybe the marketing director or maybe the head of sales. So finding one person and coaching them on building out their personal brand and really leaning into that, like giving them resources on, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever it may be. And then I would also their company brand, pick one platform and start with just one content series. So that may be Twitter and they're just putting out industry news every day, or it might be TikTok and they're just doing a tip on how to use the software every day or Instagram. And they're doing like, you know, a cool template every day and starting from there. um, Because I think a lot of times people get so caught up in trying to do everything and trying to do 10 different content series across 10 platforms. And although that is great, once you kind of get a grasp on something, you really have to start with just one platform and one person and one type of content. I've made my fingers hurt years ago trying to do too many pieces at once. I, you know, I kind of just gets she she laughs, but she probably gets tired of like my Wild West social media stories. Um, but those are like my favorite stories to talk about is like 2014. Let's just run every platform we possibly can. Instagram. Cool. Let's do it. Let's do a post every day. Now, let, let's do three posts a day. And you're just like. just pumping out content like a machine. I think most places have wisened up past that now, but um, very much so try to control, you know, making some one thing, one platform, one strategy really good, and then start to build off of that and see where you can go trying to do too much at once. Like that's something I have to, you know, some of my um, practitioner days, I is, closest to like a year or two ago, I have to keep reminding myself, like, can I do all these four things and make it awesome? Probably. Should I be doing them all at once? Probably not. You have to keep telling yourself that. Exactly. Yeah. It's like all at once is not practical. And it it's also very hard to learn, you know, 10 different algorithms at once and 10 different, like all of the features, right? Where if you're just a, a Twitter specialist, or you start with just a LinkedIn specialist, like start in a like, you know, very niche. And then you can all, you can use that. Like, like I said, on my LinkedIn, I just started on LinkedIn, really focused my time on LinkedIn. And now that I have, you know, a good process, it's really solid. It's consistent. I can say, all right, I'm going to take this content and put it on TikTok and I'm going to put on Twitter and just, you know, start to grow on other platforms. And so I think brands should do the same unless you have a ton of resources, but most, you know, startups just don't have the budget to be on 10 different platforms. Definitely. So ending with this, our last question, Courtney, career advice, 
you're someone that has really been self-made in the social media industry. You've built your brand. You've put out the resources. Um, you've come so far. For someone that's just getting out of school right now, you know, I think of myself, you know, I got out of school 2011. Um, that's a very long time ago now. Um, I got out of school and it was kind of at the tail end of the recession. Like it was getting a little better, but jobs were still finicky. Broadcasting was tough. You know, the kids now getting out of school, they're going to be getting out. And it's going to be a little a little bit probably tougher now than it was a year ago. But the one thing that you talk about a lot today is that they can control is their profile, their brand, you know, what they're putting out there in terms of content. So is there any kind of like roadmap that you would give them right now and how they would be able to build themselves in the social media industry? Yeah, I mean, number one piece of advice would just be to try to find a place where you can prove out value. Um, for example, I once hired someone because she was just, she was in college when I hired her, but back when she was in middle school or high school, she made a Taylor Swift Instagram fan page. And the page got so big that Taylor Swift invited her to like lunch or something. I don't know. It was like crazy. And so just under seeing that and being like, wow, you created something, you know, so young that clearly showed results. Like even though at that age or even in college that this young woman had a hard time articulating why it worked or like the strategies behind it, but really had this like intuitive knowledge of social media. And that was like a fantastic results. I also hired someone one time that had a meme Twitter account that, you know, grew that pretty big and just the seeing the um, ability to interact with this very niche audience and curate content and put it out. Like, even though those weren't their personal brands, it was really cool to see that they had built something so interesting. I, I hired another um, young young woman who built out a pretty strong following on Pinterest where she did like her fashion, you know, every day. And it's not even necessarily like you have to build out your personal brand so huge or, you know, a fan page or whatever that may be, like a fun brand so huge. It's just being able to demonstrate that you can think differently and really be in like the cultural zeitgeist. And right now when people are hiring young people that are coming out of school, they're looking for people that like get and understand social media from like a very intuitive perspective and can demonstrate that. So my advice would be those things that you've done and those communities you're a part of and that like TikTok channel you have or that Pinterest or whatever it may be should be on your resume and you should be bragging about that and like showing that every day. Or if it's just, you know, you're really understanding of what other brands are putting out, you just really have to find a way to demonstrate that you you get it, like you get social media. Um, and I would say question conventional wisdom, because everyone coming out, even though we don't want to admit it, like, uh, like <laughs> as a millennial, I don't want to admit that Gen Z is better at social media than me, but they are. And so, you know, when I work with Gen Z, a lot of times they ask me like, oh, why are you doing this? And that's not really cool. And that's not the way to do it on here. And don't be afraid to like ask questions and, um, you know, contradict or, or try to, you might be right. And a lot of times you probably will be right moreover than your manager or even like the CMO. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to put your ideas out there. That's funny. I love that. Um, I actually learned, uh, I had used LinkedIn for a while, but the, the LinkedIn paid side a couple years back when I really, really learned that. Um, agency side, um, I worked with someone who was right out of college, Gen Z, I'm millennial, same thing. And she had just a very different approach to social media. And instead of like 
me looking differently at that, I was like, we could be dynamic. Like I got the OG strategy. Like I know how to like finesse the organic algorithm. She's like paid side, very technically sound. I was like, we're going to make magic together. And actually I credit those learnings that we had together for me working at LinkedIn today. Like that's how powerful it was. And, you know, again, you know, Courtney, we can all learn something from different people on social media. Everybody has such a different perspective. So very, very appreciative of having you today and, you know, looking forward to seeing your tips and tricks over the, the coming months. They've been excellent. So excited to see, you know, what's in store for you. And, you know, we'll be watching. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Andy. And thank you, Jess. Thank you. I don't think I've ever agreed so much with one of our guests before. So yes to everything you said. <laughs> Check marks. <laughs> yes. This was a great conversation. I, I appreciate y'all. I'm I'm yeah, excited for what you guys are doing and yeah, proud of y'all for your your this is eighth episode. Ninth episode. I've, anyways. It's eighth or ninth. I, I've lost count. But we'll know when I have to put in the episode listing in the <laughs> Spotify. So I'll find out later today. Well, keep, yeah, keep it up. This is this was fantastic. And yeah, thank you so much again. No problem. Thank you, Courtney. Awesome. Bye, y'all. See ya. So, Jess, Where I love, we begin yeah, to unpack I love this. Social media hustling right there. That was the name of my old podcast, <laughs> actually. So I I just I love the go get it attitude that Courtney has. And you know, like what she hit on when I we advise companies and we talk about what is the, the branding from the HR section to the executives, the people that work there and how they're branding their own LinkedIn pages. I know you have handled some, you know, executive coaching, executive branding. Like it got me thinking about it differently because I think about it so much from like the CFO or like COO and like what they should be saying but I don't think about it as much like aligning with the company. So like, there's so much she said there that was, you know, really, really, really beneficial to hear. It goes back to what we've been talking about in so many episodes, like this idea around the emotional connection. And I know Courtney was saying like, you don't connect with the brand, but you are connecting with the people behind the brand. Mm -hmm. So I loved everything she said around amplifying those personal stories, highlighting your employees, like things we say over and over. Cause yes, that is where the connection comes in. And what's interesting about it. So personal connections to marketing are nothing new. Like you can go back to, you know, the newspaper era and, you know, like early newspaper era, not there's not newspapers anymore. I'm talking about like when it was first starting, there's ads in the newspaper you know, they would show pictures of people like there is influencer marketing technically going back to like Elvis Presley. Like it's not new in how we've utilized that type of marketing. But I still feel like in 2023, social media is a multi-billion dollar industry that is personal branding or influencers. There's still such a like taboo feeling when you say the word influencer. And it really isn't as much as like influencer going and doing a dance on TikTok, which 
could be an influencer, of course, but it's really everybody's an influencer once they touch that social media feed. So I love the way that Courtney defined that. But I think for us, when we're consulting, it's like, how do we redefine that mindset that people do have of this industry? Definitely. With with B2B, you know, we talk about this with social proof. Yeah, like Courtney said, everyone is an influencer. There's so many people that go into making a purchase decision and people rely on other people within their network or their other connections telling them that, oh, I've used this before, or I like this, or this is a great service. This is a great product, or here's my experience. So this is also connected. And I think that it would be good for a lot of companies, you know, if you have, I forget what the licenses cost. It's been a second since I looked at these, but any of the social media listening tools, you know, let's just say I'll make up a number $5,000 a year. I think they're $5,000 that may not give you an immediate ROI, but for the learnings that your digital team can learn from that, what hashtags people are following? What are they ta- people talking about in your industry? Like, what is the it thing? Your posts that you're putting out there, how are people reposting it? You know, things like that, I think is very, very powerful. So uh, social media listening, like if you're looking to understand the influencer market, but maybe you're not ready to go all in with it with a plan, I think that's a good way just to get started, just to see what's out there and really aggregate those posts. Definitely. And what Courtney was saying or what she alluded to is it's going back to understanding your customer. So she talked about like what value are you driving for your audience, your customer? So it just it goes back to learning about the customer and knowing what is going to influence them. I'll use the term. Yeah, influence them with a human. So. I'm going to read off some stats from you from HubSpot I pulled up. There's like 75,000 of these, so I just picked a few of them that I like. Um, So currently, this is 2023 updated from HubSpot. One in four marketers currently leverage influencer marketing. So if you have four competitors, there's probably only one doing it. Uh, 72% of Gen Z and millennials follow influencers on social media. So millennials... We're not as young as we we thought we are anymore. So, you know, we're in our mid-30s. We're, you know, later 30s um, now. I think it goes in the 40s now. So, like, millennials, you know, make up a wide percentage of the marketplace. Gen Z, obviously, is in the workforce now. And they're a consumer of a lot of different brands, whether it be B2C or B2B. 89% of marketers who currently engage with influencer marketing will increase or maintain their investment in 2023. So it's showing that this is recession proof, which there isn't a lot that's recession proof right now, as we probably see on our feeds every day. Um, 38% of marketers say generating sales was their top goal for influencer marketing in 2022. So that shows you that a lot of them aren't looking at it as a sales initiative. They're looking at it as a brand initiative. 92% of marketers believe that influencer marketing is an effective form of marketing. So very high poll when you see 92% there. And then, you know, finally, 33% of Gen Z have bought a product based on an influencer's recommendation in the last three months. So that's the kicker right there, in the last three months, because we talk about how long these sales cycles are and things that we do, probably not gonna have a three month sales cycle for a giant SaaS product, 
But like you have to look at those numbers and I think marketing is marketing. And I think that things translate across B2C and B2B all the time. Human is what I think translates the most. These numbers are indicators to me when we look at LinkedIn. We call them creators, of course. We might call it executive branding. We can call it all kinds of different things. These numbers and what they're doing on LinkedIn is still influencer marketing. And it falls within these buckets that we just reeled off here. Absolutely. I, I don't even know what to say. Like, this is so on point. It's so... It's so true to where we are today. I mean, there's so many things that Courtney mentioned that just tie so much into like what you're doing from a, a corporate branding perspective. I, I loved when she talked about like the consistency piece. I didn't know that about Gary V. I didn't know he posted like the same five pieces of yes. content, but it makes sense because again, it just it aids in recall. It's aiding in like what his brand is and what his brand is all about. So I can tell you what those are. Like, let's see if I can hit all of them real quick. So the first one is there's no ROI on being a good, or the best ROI is being a good person. It's not on a spreadsheet. Number two is that you should just go post a bunch of content, which a lot of what we talked about today, don't wait, post content. Number three is LinkedIn is in its prime. You should master LinkedIn. Number four is TikTok's in its prime. You should master TikTok. Number five is a throwback of him talking about how the Facebook algorithm um, was organic and it was cheap, but it won't always be cheap. There's a sixth one. There's like a sixth one he does. That okay, that is pretty good brand recall right there. Yeah, the fact that so, I could just reel those off at the top of my my head, you know, like in the in the crazy thing about this, so like VCon is the Gary V conference. I saw it pop up, I got an ad sent to me. It's it's in the Midwest. Where is it? Is it Detroit, maybe? I don't know. It was somewhere, but either way, um, I at least just like browsed it for a second to see where it was at, and I know. That if I went to VCon, I would pay like $300 a ticket or whatever it would be. And I would hear the same exact pieces of content that he's probably been talking about. And I'd still probably give it a standing ovation. And I was like, that's like personal brand mastery right there. Like that's that's like next level in my opinion. And I think that ties into like the, the consistency piece also ties into the focus. So talking, how Courtney was talking about staying in in one area or you know working to build out one platform first and then as you mentioned to like you know leveraging the learnings there and then building mm -hmm. off that and expanding their reach but th this is why we don't see professional athletes in multiple sports at the same time it's like it's so true it's like the consistency in brand plus the focus plus the understanding of your customer and understanding them deeply and what they need. Yep. And there's very few macro influencers, if you think about it, that are on multiple platforms. I'm sure they'll dabble in a lot of them. Like there's a lot of people that are really good at YouTube that also have a good following on Instagram, but they're not posting on Instagram every day. They're posting on YouTube all the time and vice versa. So I think it's finding where, where to really master. I know kind of selfishly for us at LinkedIn, when we advise you know, our clients, you know, when we see a, 
you know, someone at sea level that's pretty hip and like gets, you know, LinkedIn pretty well, we kind of want them to utilize our brand and like go all in with it. But we also know it's a really good place for them. And I think finding the right place for, you know, whatever your personal brand is, is key. It's good to use the other channels, but you need to figure out which one is your home run channel. And then the, the hundred posts, I got to talk about that because it makes me think about TV shows and series and just all of the the hype and the celebration that's put around, like reaching that 100th episode. Mm -hmm. So from a social media perspective, all you need is 100 posts. Yes. You want, we can try it. We can try it with the making of a marketer and hit 100 posts to see where we end up. That challenge accepted. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's let's do it. Let's make it happen. We got a lot of great content. I mean, from just the guests we've had, that's something that, you, you know, I'm sure people that are listening, watching, have seen some of the videos we put out. Like that's going to be something too, that eventually we're going to go back into kind of the archives and pull some content that might be like four months old, but it's still relevant and cut new videos. So like all of it can live on. That's what's real exciting for what we're doing right now, because we're just building up this bank of excellent content that can be utilized, you know, really across the next year and beyond. Or inspired by Courtney. A yes and, not an or, because we'll do both. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll create a document ad and include all of our yes. guest quotes. Because I mean, so much knowledge has been dropped in this these last eight episodes. Yes. Know where to begin. We have so much content. We do, and 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 admittedly, I have not run a document ad. Like someone from LinkedIn's gonna like scrub this podcast and be like, Andy, like, what what are you doing? But I am going to make a doc. I guess not a document ad, a document post because you can do them, you know, on your personal profiles. Now, I am going to make a document post at some point this coming week it's going to be a test everyone who's listening click like share um or comment click comment engage <laughs> like share there's nothing nothing to click on besides the document um in my test so i can know that it went really well we're looking forward to it so we've got that and then our viewers can look forward to the document posts that will be coming on the making of a marketer. Yes, there'll be one, there'll page. be an official one coming. Yeah. <laughs> there'll be two. The one I have for my personal profile is already locked and ready to go because I'm going to resurface content from a class I teach. And I was just thinking, I was like, okay, I don't have to do anything. So that'll make it easy. I love it. But that probably gets us to the end here, just so another fantastic episode. We really kind of run through so many subgenres of marketing already. So we are planning our next episodes right now. So we'll start to kind of give a look ahead as to what topics we're hitting, you know, and also if there's a topic you're looking for, uh, check our page out, The Making of a Marketer on LinkedIn now exists. Come uh, talk to us, comment, make suggestions, whatever it may be. We're still, obviously, like we say most episodes, still very much learning, testing different formats, trying different video techniques, different topics, different ways of even styling the podcast in the order we do things. So like, all of it's still in that testing stage, and we look forward to you know hearing from you. Absolutely. We want to hear from you. So let us know 
what you want to learn more about or hear about what series you're interested in because we are we're very eager to dive in definitely but till next time jess it was fun once again and we will talk soon sounds good thanks andy problem we'll see everyone later bye this podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.